I think some of us, if we knew exactly what we would have to go through, would you really say, okay, I'll go? Ooh, I got, I got some things I could tell y'all. <laughs> you know, if you think about um, the three Hebrew boys, you know, they had to have a made up mind that they were going to serve the Lord, to be willing to be thrown into that fiery furnace. You know, with Paul and, and Silas, when you think about them being in that inner prison, when you do a study on that inner prison with their hands and their feet and stocks, you know, that, that was dripping on them. That was sewage that was dripping on them. Would you really want that dripping on you? But they went through that for, there was a purpose. There was a purpose. When you go through things, it's because there's a purpose for it. So you have to be willing to go follow Jesus wherever he leads you, wherever it is. Have that yes in your spirit. Amen? Amen. There's a reason why I'm saying this. We're going to get to it a little bit later. Can you turn to 2 Samuel? We're going to go to two places. 2 Samuel. First and second Samuel is chapter four. Let's look at verse four. Let me know when you're there. Say amen. And it says, oh, everybody else got it? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> And it says, and Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Surreal. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephizbosheth. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to read verses 9 through 1. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant, whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou, art thou Ziba? And he said, Thou servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son, which is lame of his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emiel in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Emiel from Lodabar. And when Mephishabeth, Mesheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, 
was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I, am sh I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for, till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thou master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, <laughs> thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Amen, amen, amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we love you, Lord God. We know that nothing is impossible for you. Lord God, give us a mighty understanding of this word today, Lord God. Help me, Lord God, to break it down, Lord Jesus, and explain it clearly, Lord God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, I am coming out of Lodabar. Look at your neighbor on the opposite side and say, I am coming out of Lodabar. Because I serve a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in me. Because I serve a God who has never lost a battle. Because I serve a God for which nothing is impossible for. Because I serve a God that is over all disease. Because I serve a God. That is strong and mighty and powerful. He hasn't forgotten me. He knows exactly where I am. He has a purpose for your life. He knows exactly how to get you there. It may not be the way you think you should get there, but he's going to get you there. You want to know why? Because his ways aren't like your ways, and his thoughts aren't like your thoughts. I have learned that for myself. Amen? Amen. All right, have a seat. <laughs> so here we have Jonathan's son, Mephijah. I'm going to mess it up all the way through this, but you know what I'm talking about. And he's lame. His nurses, you know, they have heard that Jonathan and, and Saul has passed away, and she's running with him, and he's fell, and he, he's become lame at his feet. And, and when I looked at that word lame, I thought, broke it down, and it said, you know, weak and low in spirits and depressed and and so he became lame, not of his own. It was just by circumstance 
how many of us have become weak or depressed or lowens in, in, in spirits by maybe something that was just by circumstance, maybe something that we didn't do ourselves. It might have been something we did ourselves, but it, it, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was something that was done before we got saved. Maybe it's something that happened after we got saved, you know, but it's, it, we're, it's just a circumstance that happened. Um, and so we're just in this place. I looked at that word Lodabar, and that word Lodabar is uh, it's a place somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. It's on the east side of the Jordan and Gilead. It's a dry place. It's considered a low place in town, and it means without pasture, no word. <laughs> no communication. Oh my goodness. How many of you have been in situations that you didn't know where to go? Didn't know who to turn to? Didn't know who to ask what to do? My goodness, my goodness. You know, this year has been a tough year. It's just, I, I gotta share this because Pastor D's to share my said to share my heart, and this year has been a tough year. Started in February with my mom passing away. Went right to March with Jaime's brother passing away, and right from there it went to um, us being in a situation where we um, had to take care of his mom. Um, but we literally thought, or at least I felt like we'd fell, we'd moved into a third world situation. Um, I won't tell it all, but it was kind of a situation where we had to buy bottled water to brush our teeth, to put on water on our towels, to wash our face, to take a bath, bottled water, um, it was really bad. It was a situation I said, what in the world did I do to get here? What, what do I do? What do I do? I'm calling Pastor D's. I'm sure in tears sometimes, crying. How do we get out of this? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? But I'll tell you this. This is what I learned at the beginning of this situation. I learned to hear God for myself. The Bible says this, that my sheep hear my voice. That's right. That's what it says. So I learned his voice for myself. And Pastor Dees, tell me if this is true. It came to a point to where I stopped calling you so much, didn't it? It came to a point to where he started calling me, saying, I'm calling to check up on you. Because I learned to hear God's voice for myself when he was speaking to me about a situation. Um, I learned to quiet, take authority over all the noise that was going on, quiet that noise so I could hear 
God's voice. That's what that situation taught me. One of the things that it taught me. Okay? It taught me how to handle things a little bit differently. It taught me that just because you're in a situation doesn't mean the enemy's going to leave you alone. He's going to keep pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and pushing you until he thinks he's got you. Until he thinks he's got you. I told Pastor Dee this, I believe it was last week. It was as though I could hear the enemy laughing at me because he had thought he had got me. But then the Lord reminded me of of himself, really, how when he was carrying the cross and how when he had the crown of thorns on his head and how when he was being hung on the cross, it looked like he was defeated. (laughs) But on the third day, he rose again. He was not defeated. He had victory. And that's the same thing with us. See, it might look for a minute that we're defeated, but we've got the Lord on our side, and we're going to come out. We're going to win. See, obviously the enemy hasn't read the end of the book. We're going to (laughs) win. We are going to win. See, this, this, this place, this dry place, This place of no word is really bringing the word that has been planted inside you when you're learning from your pastor and when you're studying that word for yourself, it brings it to life. It literally speaks to you. It speaks. It lives. It makes it real. See, sometimes you can sit and you read it and you read it, and yeah, you believe it, but until you get into a place to where you feel you can't even read the word for yourself and something comes up and it literally, boom, and speaks life into your belly and speaks life into your situation, that's when it becomes real. And that's what this situation has done for me. And when you get into a situation like that, that's what it's going to do for you. Because maybe you haven't been through a situation like that yet. Keep living. Keep living. You will. You will. But you're going to come out. You're going to come out. He doesn't leave us there. His word says he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's in it with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's with us. He's with us. I felt his presence. I'm not going to lie. There were some times... I didn't, I felt like I did not feel him. 
I felt like he was not there, but I had to remind myself his word says. That's why you need to know his word. That's why you need to memorize his word. That's why his word needs to be in your heart, in your belly. So you can remind yourself. There's going to be times you're going to need to encourage yourself. You may not be able to call your pastor. You may not be able to call your friend. You're going to need to encourage yourself. You're going to need to know that you know that the Lord is with you. I'm encouraged today. I may not see how we're going to get out, but I know we're going to get out. Because just like God had David not forget to show kindness to Jonathan's son, God is not going to forget you. God has not forgotten us. God knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly where, he, where we are. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for us. And he's going to complete it. He's going to complete it. All things work together for the good for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. This all serves a purpose. It's not for nothing. It serves a purpose. What I've learned to do when something happens, even in this situation, if something happens during the day, is, Lord, what do I need to learn out of this? Because there's a purpose for it. In the end, I know it's so that one day I can go back to be with him. It's so I can learn, I can love greater. No matter what happens, something happened the other day, and I just kind of said, that's all right, I still love you. I love you more. <laughs> it's to teach me how to love more, that no matter what happens, what you do to me, what you say to me, I'm going to love you more. To cause whatever happens to just roll off my back, and I love greater. To live godlier. To show the love and compassion of Christ. To preach the gospel through my life. Through what I do. Through what I say. Through how I act. To live it. To be it. Not act it. I'm not an actor. To live it. Amen. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you, the body of Christ is so important. The body of Christ, the church. Uh, I might have probably said this so many times recently. Just, I appreciate the church so much. Um, seemingly more and more, the people of God. Um, your prayers, but your life. Your life of faith is such an encouragement to me. The fact that you are walking by faith, the fact that not everything is right in your life, and you're still walking with Jesus. That is such a powerful testimony. And so we don't sit here and pray and desire and try and work it so that everything just goes smoothly all the time. Obviously, that'd be, you know. That would be easy street for us. But that is not what God has promised us. He has not promised us that. He has promised us tribulation. He has, he has promised us trials. He has promised us affliction. But he has promised, like she said, to never leave us nor forsake us. He has promised us strength and grace to endure. Amen. And so we need to pray that for one another. We need to live that and example that. And... Um, and so the body of Christ is so important, so important. I need, I need you to walk by faith. I need you to walk by faith. Praise God. Um, I just want to share something really quickly. I'm not going to be long at all. Maybe it's, it's in the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. And um, praise God, 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 1, and um, <clears throat> I'm going to start at verse 1. I'll kind of skip through, and you can stay seated. I'm just going to kind of read this. Paul and Silvanus, Timotheus, unto the church of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. You received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Wow, what a contradiction. Verse 7, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen. And so that, that, that portion there where he says, um, you received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Ghost. And then it says, you were examples to the believers, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place that your faith towards God. So flip over with me to the book of Acts. Book of Acts, chapter number, um, let's see, is it 16? 
Acts chapter number 16. And um, so Acts 16, verse number 6. It says, um, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the spirits suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuringly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So they go into Macedonia. Verse 11, they find someone named Lydia. Um, and she opens her house to them. She's, a pray she's in prayer and she's a believer. And, um, and then it just kind of continues on. The jailer is converted. And then chapter number 17 Chapter 17. Like I said, I'm not going to be long. Chapter 17, um, verse 1. When they had passed through Amphilios and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered, risen from the, again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks of great multitude and of the chief women, not a few. And so then they assault Jason's household and they, they take him out. And, and it says, um, verse 10, and the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. Um, and then it goes on down to verse number 13. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. So say all that to say um, we have this book written to the Thessalonian church. And um, it's an interesting book. Uh, if you're in my life group, you might have heard some of this. But it's an interesting book because it's one, it's actually the first letter that Paul wrote. To a church. It's the first letter that he wrote to a church uh, was 1 Thessalonians. Second letter he wrote was 2 Thessalonians. And he wrote it while he was in Corinth. And if you, read this, if you read the book, you'll find that it's unlike a lot of the other ones because it doesn't have him rebuking them. It doesn't have him really rebuking the Thessalonian church. Literally, he's saying, you're an example to the believers that like the entire world. I really don't even have, have to say anything because people already know how awesome you are all, all over Asia. And so he literally is just honoring them. And so in, in Thessalonians, you'll see him talk about uh, the coming of Jesus Christ and he talks about the Antichrist. Um, and so he really doesn't deal a lot with issues in the church. He doesn't deal a lot with, well, you got this going on and this one hates that one or you know, you're doing these wicked things. He's, he's dealing with literally, you're doing great, and this is what we have to look forward to, and I just want to prepare you for what's to come. And he gives insight literally into things that we don't find in any other scriptures, but we find it in his letter to Thessal Thessalonica. And so it's, you know, if you, you look at the book of Acts, 
and you read chapter 17, when he comes to Thessalonica, it says he reasoned for three Sabbath days. For three Sabbath days. How long is three Sabbath days? Three weeks. So he was there three weeks, right, or less. You know, if he arrived on the Sabbath day, then that's one day. And then the second Sabbath day was one week. And then the third Sabbath day was two weeks. So it could have been anywhere from two to three weeks that he really reasoned uh, with them. Uh, The thought is that he might have been there for even a few months, possibly, because he did receive money from Philippi, um, which was about 95 miles away from them. But at the most, he was there for a few months. And while he was there, we see that they literally ran him out of town. They ran him out of town. They were, they were wicked in Thessalonica, even to the point where it says that the, the Bereans were more noble than the Thessal- Thessalonians because they studied the word daily to see. And so the situation in Thessalonica was bad. It was bad for the gospel. It was. It was bad. They were against it, and they, they kicked him out, made him leave, him and the three. And then not only that, when he got to Berea, they followed him to Berea and kicked him out of Berea. The enemy was chasing him, right? Didn't let up, was like, no, we're not going to allow this. And, and he had to leave there. Um, and so it's just interesting to me. And so then you read Thessalonians. And you see that a church was thriving in that situation. That in the midst of this horrible persecution, much affliction, the church thrived. The church thrived, even to the point where Paul wrote them back and said, you're an example to all the others. You're strong. Your word has spread out to all of Asia. And I am so happy for you. I, I mean, you, you hear the love that Paul has for this church. And it started in much affliction, much affliction, much persecution. People that didn't seem to want it. But there were some people that got a hold of it. And here's the thing. Uh, what really gets me is the beginning of Thessalonians when he says this. He says, for from you the word of God sounded to all around, all over. They got a hold of something that whatever Paul preached to them in those three short weeks or two weeks, they realized this thing is so good, we can't keep it to ourselves. And I believe the the Thessalonian church was the most evangelistic church that we can see. And there's proof of this because if we we read Acts chapter 16, where Paul is coming around, right? He's walking, he's going through, and this is the apostle Paul, right? He preaches to everybody. And it says the Holy Ghost told him, don't preach to them. Don't go there. And he's like, well, we want to go here. And the Holy Ghost is like, nope, don't go there. Don't go there. And he has this vision that says, come to Macedonia. Don't go to those places. Come to Macedonia. And so Paul's like, okay, we're going to Macedonia. And they go. It's one of the few you see where there's actually a vision of literally, it was literally God was like, skip all these other places and get there. Because God wanted him to preach there and declare something there. 
And so I think about it. I've, I've read that scripture before, and I've always thought about, Lord, that seems like you were unfair to those people in Asia because you had Paul pass by Asia, and they didn't get to hear the gospel. But this is what happened. We read in Thessalonians where Paul writes to them, he says, the word has gone out from you to all of Asia. Because God knew if, we, if you get this word to the Thessalonian church, they're going to preach it to Asia. They're going to reach Asia. They're going to go with this thing. And so God was desperate to get something born in Thessalonica. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of all that, Paul was just there a short time. But it, there was a fire there that was so powerful that it spread out. And, and here's the thing. And here's what kind of, and I shared this with you. Bishop Simmons, years ago, God told him to come here to Syracuse. We went through the whole story, right, of, of all that, the miracle of getting here, right? And so I'm not saying that here is better than there or there or there or there, but I do know that just like Macedonia, God says, get somebody here to preach the gospel here, and, you know, because I believe it is the will of God for all the surrounding regions and areas to hear the gospel because of what happened here, because of the Macedonian call here. I believe there's other cities like that where, where God sends people will send somebody in to declare the word of God. But it is not just to start a local church. I believe he had them pass by cities and pass by counties and pass by towns and villages to get to one place because that one place was going to then reach those towns and those villages and those surrounding areas. And so I look at the Thessalonian church. They didn't have a lot of issues that the Corinthian church had. Corinthian church had anointing, if you want to say. They had spiritual gifts flowing out of their ears. And yet they were carnal. They were so focused on themselves. There were divisions. There was such carnality that Paul wrote about constantly. And so I believe this is <laughs> the greatest way to deal with disunity is for us to be unified with the purpose of God. That's it. If we would become as evangelistic as God wants us to be, a lot of stuff would flow away. I believe that's why there is a body here. It's not so that we can fill this building. I mean, that's going to happen. It's so that we can reach so this gospel can be preached so that from us, the word of God can be sounded in all of central New York. That's why we're here. And, and we've, we've got we've to get in alignment with what God wants, why he birthed us. And I think about it just that, so the Thessalonian, you know, it's really the, the Thessalonian solution. And example, and Paul literally says, you are the example. And they had so much affliction. They had so many problems. They really did. You know, I think about it. I've, I've said this before. I think Syracuse is a hard place. It's a hard place. I don't know why anybody would want to live here. Um, 
without a purpose. Without a purpose. I mean, seriously, go to, go to Texas. <laughs> you know, but we got a purpose. If you're going to be here, you better be here for a purpose. I hope you don't just live here because you just enjoy the government and the taxes and the weather and the nice people and the southern hospitality. We're here for a purpose, right? I don't know about you. I'm sorry, man. I'm speaking of myself. But we, there's a reason we're here. And, and we need to be about that business. And if we, if we get caught up in, in, in this society, in this world, and lose our focus, I've seen it so many people get sucked into this environment and the Thessalon, Thessalonica environment that just wants to fight against the things of God. But the church that was committed to preaching this gospel that was committed to going and sounding out, they were strong. There was nothing they could do against them. They couldn't stop them. And that thing grew, and it went to all of Asia because of that church in much affliction. And so I just feel a call and a burden from God that many of us, I know, we're going through stuff. Anybody going through stuff? Everybody's going through stuff. You know, everybody's going through something. Every single person is going through something. But much affliction, joy in the Holy Ghost, but aligning with the purpose of God. Right? So in the midst of all this, God wants to be glorified. That's, that's the purpose of it all. That's the purpose. Sister Amelia, thank you for, for, for that word. In the midst of all that mess and nonsense. Jesus is going to be glorified. We're going to see the miraculous. In the midst of all that filth and oh, oh, Jesus is going to be glorified. Just determine that in our spirit. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. We need, I just want the Lord to just renew my focus on what he wants me to do, what he's called me to do. I want to link together with the people of God, with my brothers and my sisters. Hallelujah. We have a purpose. We are born for a purpose. We have been birthed for a reason. We are not here just to sit around and observe. We are here to destroy the works of the devil, to tear down strongholds, to preach the gospel to every creature, to declare light to declare life and hope to our generation, to show forth the praises of our God in every situation, to declare his majesty and his holiness and his power and his righteousness. Hallelujah. To show forth the light of Jesus Christ in the midst of a dark world. Oh God, thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us for this great and high calling. God, anoint us right now. God, anoint our minds, Lord. Help us to agree with your purpose, to walk in your purpose, oh God, to not get caught up in the things of this world and the ways of this life, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are raising up laborers. You are raising up strong men and women that will be willing to go, that will be willing, God, to preach the word and to declare your name, oh God. 
We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you are doing in our midst. God, bring us through every situation. Lord, whatever you need to do in us and through us, we thank you, Lord, for the harvest field. We thank you, Lord, for, God, these college campuses that are wide open to the gospel being preached, Lord. We thank you for these schools, oh God, that are open to the gospel to be preached. We thank you for our jobs, oh God, that are places for the gospel to be preached. We thank you for our neighborhoods, oh God, that are open for this gospel to be preached. Lord Jesus, lead us, oh God. Speak to us. Give us wisdom and understanding, Lord. Give us boldness, oh God. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Fill us with love, oh God. Fill us with your love, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, don't, don't let the fire make us bitter, oh God, but let it burn out our bitterness, God. Don't let the trials make us hardened, oh God, but let them make us tender and humble and submitted, Jesus, and willing to be broken before you. Oh God, I pray that the wickedness of our world would not make our hearts cold, oh God, but that we would be tender to their care, oh God. Fill us with compassion and mercy, oh God, to the lost. God, give us your mercy and your long-suffering. Lord, help us to see them as you do.